You are listening to the Dradcast, episode 99 with special guest Troy Dean. This episode of the Dradcast is brought to you by GoDaddy Managed WordPress Hosting. 99% uptime, 24-7 award-winning hosting support for all your WordPress website. You know them, you love them, check it out. GoDaddy Managed WordPress Hosting. Check about x.co slash GoDaddy. That's with two Ds, GoDaddy. This episode is also brought to you by Beaver Builder, the crazy, powerful, and flexible drag-and-drop design system for WordPress. The beaveriest builder of them all. You don't want to miss out on this hotness. Seriously, check them out. WPBeaverBuilder.com Get ready for the Dradcast. Your favorite nerds. Brad Williams and Dre Armada bring you high-octane conversations with new guests every week. Covering the latest news, insight on recent events, and interviews with tech titans. Pour yourself a quality cocktail. What kind of software? Drag. Sit back and chill. Because the Dragcast starts now. All right, it's another week, it's another Dradcast, and this is a, a pretty special episode, 99. We are about to go over that ledge, Dre, to the big 100. Triple digits, and man, I, I couldn't be more excited. This is, um, so uh, we've, we've been kind of talking about this, and the 100th episode is going to be, uh, I mean, it's something big uh, for us. You've done it before. I've never uh, surmounted that uh, that goal or, or you know uh, climbed that wall, so I'm pretty excited about reaching it. And uh, we got some cool things maybe coming up for episode 100. So 99, man, this is this is a big deal. We do have some cool things, and uh, I think it's pretty well confirmed that we will be together for the hundredth episode. So no announcement yeah. on where we might be, but uh, the Drad will be together in person, big 100. I'm I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, I, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves because we have to get to the next episode before we can have the hundredth. So let's make sure this episode survives. All right, but we got a we got a pretty awesome show today, so I'm excited. So what's new with you, Dre? Man, what's going on over there? Big news today off of uh, my uh, my out of my team, out of my corner. I have officially announced that I, Andres Armada, running for president of the United States. Whoa, and, whoa, uh, whoa, whoa! Is this is this breaking news? Breaking news. This is, uh, this is on the eve of receiving my official uh, United States, you know, uh, my ballot to vote here in in, uh, in Riverside County. And after seeing uh, the shenanigans that's on the ballot, I have announced that I'm running for the president of the United States. And I ask you and all Americans to join me in making America, America again. One day we will come together as a new nation named Dre America. So stay tuned for new uh, new info coming from my campaign trail and my campaign team. It's going to be Great America. Amazing. I like that. You know what? If you're running for president, I'd I'd be more than happy to be your number two. I I, I will be the best douche you've ever had. <laughs> well, I can't legally uh, name anybody to my team uh, at this point in terms of the administration. So uh, I'll count you in. Sold. <laughs> oh man, I I cannot wait. This can only end in the best possible way ever. I mean. That's a pretty good way to kick off an episode. Dre running for president. Make America America again. Is that what we're going with? <laughs> we're making America America again. Making America America again. Well, I'm excited. That sounds like a fun, a lot of fun. And speaking of America, we might as well 
go down under to Australia and and, and bring on our host this week, who is uh, pretty well known within the WordPress community. He does a lot around online uh, marketing speaker. He's a coach, consultant, a podcaster, just like us, has a lot of awesome shows, which we'll talk about. And he really helps businesses and entrepreneurs use the internet to attract customers, build their communities. And he's also done a few jingles in his time, which maybe we'll get into later. But I want to welcome Troy Dean to the show. Troy, welcome hey, to hey. the Radcast. Thank you very much for having me. I uh, yes. could quite easily just sit here and listen to you guys uh, talk for an hour and not contribute. But if you really want me to contribute, then I will. We could sit Definitely here for an hour you. and make complete asses of ourselves, but that's why we bring on our special guests so that doesn't happen every week. <laughs> Dinner and a show, huh? Oh, boy. So uh, It's uh, a pleasure to be here. Uh, very excited to have you. I know we've tried, to, we've, we've tried to coordinate this episode for a while, and obviously being in a... Uh, uh, you know, basically in the future, your favorite joke. Yeah. Um, it could yeah. be a little challenging coordinating schedules, but we made it. We got you on. We're here. Um, it's going to be a really great show. So tell us a little bit about what you do. You do a lot of different things around not only WordPress, but just business and marketing in general, which is, you know, topics that Dre and I are certainly passionate about and, and topics that, um, quite honestly, we've really seen grow um, in the WordPress space specifically in the past few years, it's really become it's something you kind of see a lot more, you know. So, what are you guys doing over at WP Elevation? Uh, we can't. We actually we're not doing that much anymore. We're in terms of the breadth of what we're doing has narrowed quite dramatically uh, because we've frankly gotten better at saying no to stuff over the years, uh, and now our focus is pretty narrow. Uh, so our focus is to become and we are and we are continuing to become the number one business community for WordPress consultants. That's our 100% focus these days. Um, we do that through a couple of things. We've got some plugins and we've got the, a business coaching program for WordPress freelancers or, or what we call WordPress consultants. That's my 100% focus. Occasionally, I might go and speak at an event, like a small business event or something as a as kind of a paid keynote speaker to talk about digital marketing. Um, but you know, I kind of even, I kind of even say no to, to more and more of that stuff these days, because what I've learned over the years, boys, is that if you try and bake too many pies in the oven at once, you end up with a bunch of mush. So, uh, I'm now just focusing on baking one really good pie at a time. Too many pies. Pie is good. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't talk too much about food. Dre's on a, a, a serious weight loss kick, and we don't want to tempt him. And he's probably extremely hungry right about now. But... I, I could eat a pie. Too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Dre will be out for the next 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, no, that's – I mean, that's that's honestly it's, – it's interesting because there are some parallels there, especially focusing on one pie, so to speak, one, uh, you know uh, – avenue for your business versus anything and everything that walks through the door and that it could be a very tough decision to make because saying no especially to say no to people that have money and want to pay you for your service your you know consulting or whatever it may be is tough to do so how did you well i guess the question is has it paid off was that a scary move and what what made you kind of pull the trigger on that uh, so the answer is yes, yes, and uh, so look, good look, good questions. This is something that took me a long time to learn, but what I eventually learned after speaking to lots of mentors and you know almost burning out twice and 
you know, almost almost kind of melting down and just throwing the towel in. I, mean, I cannot tell you the amount of late nights I've been, you know, laying in bed with my wife just going, you know what, I'm just going to go and get a job, man. I'm just going to go and get a job at an agency <laughs> as a digital strategist. You know, this whole running your own business thing is not what it's cracked up to be. I'm not cut out for it. It's too stressful. And uh, so when I made the decision, so yes, it has paid off. Like, pff, I cannot tell you how much it's paid off. Um, it just, it's been an incredible payoff. It was extremely scary because when I started saying no to client work and focusing on building the, building the business that we wanted to build, I had just taken out a mortgage to buy an apartment. My wife was studying at university. So we were a single income family and you know, it was petrifying, but the thing that got me there in the end and the reason that I was able to make the decision in the end, and I know this might sound a bit cliche, but I eventually had to do some very, deep soul searching and I, I worked out that money is not the reason money is a short-term reason to get out of bed and go to work but it is not the reason that will sustain you long term it is not enough for me anyway it's not enough to get me out of bed every day and keep my energy and keep me motivated to build my business it's just not and so I had to do some soul searching and work out why do I give a shit about this? Why do I care about going to work and putting out content and putting out templates and plugins and systems and blueprints and helping WordPress consultants? Why do I actually care about this? And once I got clear about why I cared about it and why I wanted to do it, the why became big enough that everything else falls into place. You figure everything out. You figure out the how. You are able to make those scary decisions and say no to projects because your vision is so clear that if, a, if an opportunity walks in the door, and let's be honest, opportunities are going to come across your desk every day of the week. When an opportunity lands on your desk, there are two things that go through my mind. First of all, is this going to get me closer to realizing my vision? And second of all, what does this person want? Because the only reason someone puts an opportunity in front of you is because it's designed to help them get closer to their vision. So if our visions are aligned and this is a win-win for both of us, then I'm all ears. But if it's taking me off my path just to help them get to their vision and it's not going to help me get closer to my vision, then I'm going to say no. And yep, sometimes I feel like I'm missing out on opportunities by saying no, but I've gotten better at that over the years and uh, and the whole team has gotten better at that over the years. And, you know, now we are 100% focused on achieving our vision and that's all we do. I love that. Figure out the why, right? Figure out the yeah. why. Why are you doing what you're doing? And for some people, it I'm sure for a lot of people, it is money, right? It is, sure. I want to make a ton of money. I want yeah. to buy a Mercedes. I want to make it rain, whatever, right? So, sure. but there mm -hmm. are certainly a lot of people, especially in this community, because the open source community, I think, is inherently um, kind of geared towards giving back and helping mm -hmm. people. And that is one of the reasons we're all drawn, or, uh, drawn towards open source. We, we mm -hmm. have that mentality. And, and that is what kind of fuels us, in a sense, to want to give back more, want to help people become successful, want to help people learn WordPress or whatever it may be. Because there is a certain feeling you get when you do that that is, it's hard to describe. But when you yep. feel it, you know it, and, yep. it, and yep. that is like fuel on the fire to want yep. to do it again and again and again. Yeah, 100%. It's like a drug. I mean, I, 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 I'm addicted to positive feedback from our community, and I never got the positive feedback from clients that I get from our customers. And, 
you know, when I first started out, when I first started out as a freelancer, my why was so I didn't have to get a job because I'm the most unemployable person in the world. I hate being told what to do with a passion because I frankly think I know how to do it better. And I, you know, think that everyone I've ever worked for over the years is a bit of an idiot and I could have done it better. And that was my naive kind of alpha male, youthful kind of aggression, want to take on the world. And so doing my own thing, being a freelancer was a way of keeping me from having to get a job. But once I figured out that, okay, I can do this and I can sustain myself and I don't have to get a job, that's when things started to change for me. And I started to realize, well, that's just not enough of a reason to keep doing this. I mean, that's just not going to keep me motivated. I need to actually figure out why I'm doing this. And, you know, and for me, it was because I didn't have any, like when I went into business, no one in my family was in business, right? I had no role models. I had no one that I could, I mean, I went to a public school and a, you know, working class area. And I had no, like, I didn't have anyone in business that I could reach out to and say, hey, how do you do this? How do you deal with clients? How do you run a business? How do you hire staff? How do you manage cash flow? I had no one that I could reach out to. So I've kind of figured it out myself. And I've, that's the reason I'm doing this now. I'm kind of doing this is because I want to leave a legacy for people who, and I know that sounds a little bit egotistical, but um, I want to leave a legacy for, for people who don't have someone they can reach out to. I want to say, well, this is how you do it. I, I want to help you do this because I wish there was someone who could help me do it when I started out you know, eight or nine years ago. That's great. It's got to be a good feeling seeing some of those people that maybe were a little bit lost in their way, maybe a little bit uh, not clear in what they were pursuing or their goals, or maybe just not even clear on what they're doing on the business side of the house, start to figure things out and start to become successful by following, you know, what you're providing, some of the courses and Mm. tips and and strategic, Mm. you know, value that you're that you're giving over at WP Elevation. I mean, that has to be pretty cool to see some of those people on, on that journey and where they're, you it's, know, where they've gotten to and where they're going. As I said, man, it's addictive. <laughs> like, like seriously, it's addictive. It's a bit of a problem. <laughs> well, well, hey, yeah. I, there's probably a 12-step program for it. Uh, at this <laughs> there point, is, but yeah, certainly, yeah. Uh, certainly, it's in line with my kind of uh, thought and, uh, around. I think maybe more uh, serial entrepreneurs or people that are really uh, passionate about growing. Uh, something making a difference or influencing growth for other people. Uh, it's never really uh, uh, about the money in the short term, right? That kind of comes with it. It's always about uh, about making a difference and, and doing what you love. I think, and that's that's really important to keep that into perspective. The money will come if you're if you're doing good yeah. things, right? That, that that exactly right, and that's one of the hardest things to get your head around. I I clearly remember saying to my business partner, it was a little over three years ago now. I clearly remember saying to him, dude, I don't know how we're going to make money out of this, but I know what I want to do for the next two or three years of my life. I want to be the the number one guy on the planet who helps WordPress freelancers. And we just have to work out a way to make that pay for the business because that's what I'm going to do. That's I've found my passion, right? That's addictive for me. I love that. I love those connections. I love that community. I love being, I love being valuable to the community. Um, you know, it goes to kind of the, you know, it kind of goes to the basic kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Once you've got your food and your shelter sorted out, like, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is like food, shelter, personal safety, and then uh, uh, connection, uh, a feeling of love and belonging, and then self-esteem and self-actualization. And so that that third level of kind of connection and belonging, that I reckon, like, once you've got food and shelter sorted out, that's what we all crave. That's why I think the WordPress community is so strong, because we work, a lot of us work online, a lot of us work in isolation, either in home offices or in small co-working spaces or in small offices, and being able to access our tribe online and feel connected to our tribe is an incredibly powerful feeling. And and once I'd figured that out, I, I realized that the more valuable I can be to the community, the more success we will have financially. But putting the value first, 
you know, putting the the priority is let's help people and and trust that the money will come and it does. But it, it's a big mindset shift to make when you're starting out and you need to pay the bills. I feel like you must have had a very trusting business partner to pitch to start out. I don't know how we're going to make money with this, but this is what we need yeah. to be doing, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of yeah. feel like Twitter yeah. might have started that way, and they're still trying to figure it out. But yeah. <laughs> I'm cold game. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear it's working out, and I, I think there's no shortage, especially as WordPress has grown so much just in the past few years absolutely no shortage of people kind of getting in getting into the WordPress space as professionals looking to kind of build a career around it a business around it um, and trying to understand some of these topics that you guys really focus on I mean you talk about attracting better clients you know writing you know better proposals you know things that are always top of mind for anyone running a business around WordPress working with clients so so how so without giving away all the secret sauce, how do you get yeah. better clients? What you know? What are maybe a couple tips that can yeah, real couple people on the WP elevation? But um, you know, what are some some thoughts there on how you can attract some better clients to your business? I actually posted a video on YouTube about this the other day. Um, that you know, if you think about if you think about if you think about when you buy something from someone, right? And let's just talk about the service industry now because what we do is we sell services. So if you think about in your business, right, uh, we need a consultant to help us do X, Y, Z, right? Maybe we need a consultant to help us with some processes or some training for our staff to get our staff to, you know, communicate better as a team. So, you know, when was the last time you got an email from a team building specialist that said, hey, you know, Brad, um, we think that your team could benefit from blah, 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 blah. And by the way, we have this half day workshop that's $4,000. Do you want to buy it? Like when was the last time you responded to that and put down like four grand? Never. But what happens <laughs> is when a need arises in your business, when you think it would be really good, it would be really valuable for our team to have a team building workshop, then what you do is you go through the Rolodex in your brain and you ask yourself, do I know anyone who's really good at that? Probably not. Do I know anyone who might know anyone who's really good at that? And then what you do is you ping your, your Slack channels or your Skype groups or you go to Twitter and you say, hey, does anyone know anyone who's really good at team work, you know, team building because blah, blah, blah. And so what happens is you end up finding the person who specializes in that, right? But the whole putting your message in front of someone and hoping that they will buy, I don't think is I mean, that's old school kind of door-to-door -door selling, and I don't think it works. So I think the way to get better clients is to pick the corner of the room that you want to own and then become a specialist at that. Narrow your focus, work out your sweet spot, what it is that you're really good at and what, and what you love doing, and just become a specialist at that, and, and clients will come. Now, <clears throat> the obvious question is, okay, well, what happens if I need better clients right now? Well, this is a dilemma. Because what you end up doing is you end up taking on a whole bunch of work that is uh, that is cash positive now, but is not profitable to the business and actually damages the business long term. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you're starting out and you take on a website for, you know, 1200 bucks and it's going to take you six weeks to build that website, you've just tied up six weeks of your life building a website that's not profitable. And in that six weeks, you can no longer fuel up, sharpen your saw. Uh, improve your skills and start publishing content, a blog, a podcast, video tutorials, speaking engagements, whatever it is you need to do to position yourself as the specialist. So what I did when I first started out is I was playing gigs around town on the guitar at pubs and I was doing the occasional voiceover and singing the occasional jingle and that was enough to pay the rent so that I could focus on becoming a specialist and eventually the clients came. Now, 
whatever level you're at in business, I think ultimately you get to a point where you have to make that transition from being a general generalist to becoming a specialist. That's the way to get clients because when clients need someone like you, they will find you because you are referred to them and you are known as the specialist. That's um, that's great advice. I mean, I, I get asked more often than you would put, most people may think, like about the premium space and specifically premium themes. And I don't I don't build themes, but for some reason, people ask me a lot about premium themes because it's a huge part of the commercial side of WordPress. It's kind of mm. the original commercial side of WordPress, if you will. You know, where people really mm. started making serious money, um, and they asked me, "Should I start a premium theme business? Is there money in premium themes now?" And my first answer generally is no, you probably shouldn't. It's very saturated. <laughs> but if you really want to, you need to specialize. You need to find a niche that, one, you're passionate about, and two, you mm-hmm. think is underserved, and mm-hmm. just focus 100% on that niche, You know, whether it's Correct. churches or, or bands or whatever. like Find a niche that really excites you, and then if, if you're going to build themes to sell, do it for that because you have a very clear marketing message, a very clear audience – and yep. you can laser focus on that versus just, hey, I'm another commercial theme business among the other yeah. thousand plus that are out there. You know, you're That's not right. going to get found. And it's That's exactly right. what you're you're saying there, which is, yeah. I think, really great advice. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we, we've, to- we've toyed with going into the premium theme space for years now. Um, we, you know, we, had a, we have a pretty good audience from the video user manuals plugin and we've kind of thought, well, they're all buying themes. Maybe they should buy themes from us. And the reason that we haven't done that is because – you know, it's all very well to think, wow, these themes on Theme Forest are selling like hundreds of thousands of dollars a week. And it's like, yeah, but how many themes on Theme Forest are selling like $10 a week? Like you, you forget that the 80-20 rule, which is like 80% of the revenue comes from 20 themes, not 20% of the themes, but 20 themes, right? So, you, you know, they might have the traffic, but there's more competition, there's more noise. So and I think that can be very it's like the moth to the flame. It can be very dazzling and very attractive. There's all this money in premium themes. I think you have to either get extremely lucky or you need a big marketing budget or a great marketing strategy behind you to push yourself up the charts and to get that kind of traction at one of those big theme marketplaces. And I think the better idea is, I mean, I saw Jennifer Bourne talk about this at, um, uh, no, it wasn't Jennifer Bourne. It was Rebecca Gill at uh, WordCamp Chicago a couple of years ago when she started her theme company. And when she first started out, it was like a general theme shop and it was doing okay. And then she basically, you know, shut it down and rebuilt it from from scratch. And now she releases themes based on keyword research that, hey, you know, an accountant in rural Michigan needs a website. I'm going to build a theme for accountants in rural Michigan, right? And so <laughs> she builds themes based on what she knows people are already looking for rather than building a theme with, you know, an incredible uh, control panel with lots of radio buttons and throwing it up on a marketplace and hoping for the best. Interesting. So with you're obviously based in Australia, we mentioned it, um, and it's always, you know, being in the U.S., I think um, a lot of the Internet um, especially when we're, you know, you're based in the U.S. A lot of the internet companies and technology companies are based in the in the U.S. I'm always intrigued by companies that are doing very, very well outside of the U.S. to a U.S. market. Um, mm. You know, and you know, WordPress is global. You know, it's used everywhere. I think it's actually. I, I remember reading. It's actually. It is um, downloaded more in non-English than English now. Yeah, um, by default, which is a really interesting milestone for it to pass. And that was, 
I think it was maybe earlier this year or into last year. It's it's fairly recent, but not you know within the last three to six months probably. Um, what challenges or struggles, if any, have you had kind of uh, building your business, narrowing your focus, um, and running it in Australia when you're targeting a global audience where a, a good part of that audience is is in the United States? Well, I think I think it's just been slower. I think the growth has just been slower for us. I mean. If I was, I'm coming to the US in July for a month. Um, I, I've done the West Coast a little bit. And I've done Chicago. Uh, I haven't really visited the East Coast before, so I'm coming to New York and Boston for a oh, few you weeks. You got to come to the I'm East gonna, Coast, man. You're messing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing. Well, I'm, I'm coming to Word. I'm coming <laughs> I mean, to Word Camp. Second best coast to, in the United States. Uh, which Word Camp is that? To, uh, I'm coming to Word Camp New York and Boston. Oh, nice. So, I might um, actually see yeah, you yeah. at Word Camp New York. I think I might, nice. might yeah, be yeah. heading up there. So awesome. Yeah, sweet. Um, so I think, you know, if, if I lived in the U.S., and I've got a couple of buddies um, who live in the U.S., Brent, uh, Brent Shepard, who's uh, the author of the WooCommerce subscriptions yes. extension, he lives in San Francisco. Um, you know, <clears throat> if I was based in the U.S., I'm sure that our growth would have been a lot quicker because I would be able to attend WordPress meetups and WordCamps and, you know, like it, I mean, you, you know, it's like a two-hour train trip and you can go to another state and visit a WordCamp, whereas in Australia we have maybe like two WordCamps a year if we're lucky and there's a flight and there's accommodation involved and it's like it's a big country and um so i think the only challenge really is that our growth has been slower i I think there's a couple of i mean i think there's a bit of fascination with the australian i think the I, i feel like australians are very well received in america and i think there's a little bit of um there's a little bit of kind of like, oh, aren't they cute with their little accents, you know? So I think there's a little bit of... <laughs> I wasn't going like, to say what? it, but it, it, well, it, it is know, cute. It, it's all right. Chris Lemmer already has. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think if I walk into a function in, in the States and start talking, people are like, oh, wow, who's the Aussie? Like, have you, you, you tie your crocodile up out the front. Um, and But also think it's... I also think it's taken us a little bit longer for people to take us seriously. And maybe that's just our own... Maybe that's just my own kind of imposter syndrome playing up there but i feel like it's taken us a little bit longer to actually get on the map and go you know what we're here to stay um we've got something good going on and i think if we were in the states that might may have happened a little quicker for us but you know what it's all kind of you know everything is as it should be and and the older i get the more i realize that you know i'm in no rush and we're not going anywhere so i'm i'm you know i'm perfectly happy just to enjoy the journey Hey, uh, uh, still, uh, it seems to be a really nice, uh, clean trajectory for you. So, I, uh, although there might have been some some slowdowns or limitations uh, that that you found over over the uh, the building period, it looks like you guys are moving in the right direction. Yeah, I, I I feel like we are, and you know, there's a really good scene in Australia too. There's a great startup scene in Australia. Um, there's some really great companies that have come out of Australia. You know, Campaign Monitor, Canva, um, uh, the guys that did um, uh, Jira. What are they called? Atlassian. Um, Atlassian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So there's some really great companies. Site points out of Australia. Out of Australia. I have a Soft history point, with yeah, Sitepoint yeah. there. Yeah. <clears throat> there's nowhere near as much funding available in Australia, and the model here is completely different. Not that we're looking for funding at this stage, but the model is completely different here. It's harder sure. to get. So you know, if you were going to raise money, definitely going to the states would be. Uh, would be uh, an idea there but you know but there's a really good healthy scene here and everyone's really supportive of each other because we kind of feel a little bit like the underdog and we have to stick together you know Uh, so even in the startup world here though in the in the u.s i mean if you're not in silicon valley or san francisco the bay area there uh vcs uh are kind of they kind of frown upon that right they want a large presence there so that 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 discussion that dialogue that interaction that networking is happening there locally um uh throughout 
you know, capacity uh, that, that you can bring to the table every day. Right. Um, mm. I've, I've been on both sides of that. And, and I'll tell you that it can be done without being there. Right. So yeah. uh, it looks like, you know, from the outside in, from your perspective, maybe it's it's the whole kind of U.S. It's already very different uh, being down in Australia versus United States. Even you know here in the United States, it's it's more micro than that. You you kind of uh, by region. So if you're down San Diego or somewhere outside of the, those typical uh, VC areas, it's um, it's frowned upon. It seems. Now we've got a lot a lot of shows still to go here, so I want to go ahead and move us on. Thank you so much for uh, the the intro and the discussion. They're really really cool topics, and I think uh, they're going to resonate well with our audience. But let's go ahead and move on to this week's pressing topics. Stand by. Pressing topics of the week. You know, we recently talked about the new dot blog uh, uh, top level domain that uh, was being released and how autom- automatic was going to be kind of put in charge of wrangling that whole thing uh, and getting uh, registrars squared away to, to start uh, delivering dot blog. That, uh, that extension is now available to registrars. So uh, actually, in the last week, uh, they've, um, they've opened that up. Um, they're overseeing this and moving it forward. So I look, I, I'd like to get a couple of these uh, uh, dot blogs. I think they're, it's a pretty interesting domain. I mean, at what point do we stop though? Like we've, there's so many top level domains now that like, at what, what point do I get like my own last name? I mean, I, this, this is crazy. Oh, the point can, can I get, can I get, can I get dot Armada as well? I'd really like a dot Armada. Uh, <laughs> Hey, you're, you're uh, no, no worries. When I become president of the United States, <laughs> everybody will have a dot Armada uh, domain. <laughs> this is a man we can get behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, the, with- the beautiful thing about domains and all these kind of new TLDs and top level domains that you can get is it's brought down the price across the board in terms of, you know, unique one word domains because the, the, it might, you know, from what I've seen, and it seems like the consensus out there is like the general public is getting used to whatever dot whatever. You know what I mean? So it doesn't yeah. matter if it's a dot co or a dot whatever. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? People are just, if they see a dot at the end, they get it. It's a website. And I think that ultimately benefits everybody because this idea of it had, early on, everything had to be dot com. If you weren't a dot com, forget it. You know what I mean? Forget it. You were trash. And we're starting to get rid of that, that kind of ideal or that, that, you know, that, that thought among normal, you know, internet users, which I think is a great thing. It's interesting. We kind of still have a rule here that if we can't get a .com, then we look for a different name. Like .com is really still the, the go-to for us. It's the king. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. still I the mean, king for sure. Does it end with, Dre, does it end with dot, dot? Like dot dot is that kind of where the whole TLD argument kind of finishes and becomes completely self-referential? <laughs> dot dot. Uh, dot 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 dot. dot. So what's dot, your dot, website? Dot 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 dot, dot, dot exclamation dot, point and then uh, we'll <laughs> dot 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 au. That would be easy to say over the phone. Yeah, what is dot dot dot? That's an ellipsis, isn't it? So like a dot ellipsis dot. I think that, you know, and, and uh, to Troy's point, I think there is still a hierarchy, right? Like if you're not getting a .com for a business, um, you know, may, eventually can you build a brand around it? Sure. I, I mean, I've said it a hundred times. I built uh, a brand around security.net. Like who, who, what the hell is that, right? And it worked. I mean, did, did it stunt uh, its growth? Maybe, but it worked. And over time, I mean, the, the product and the service really stuck, uh, stuck around and spoke for itself. 
Uh, but there is, I think, a, a level of um, of precedence there, right? Like it just it, it, it dot com has established itself as as the uh, the, the commercial top level domain. Dot uh, net is kind of like the the redheaded stepchild. Um, you know, <laughs> you, well, it really was right, and, but it, it, at the same time, I, I can see where you're heading with that, Brad, and I would like to see. Um, I mean, I mean, I, I think it has simplified o- over the years, and and people people are starting to get it. But um, I, I don't see it changing completely worldwide for a long time. Dot coms are still going to reign for for years. Uh, yeah, they're so, still king. I just yeah. think it is helping that that ideal of it has to be a dot com. Like there are other options that are there's sites that we probably all use, maybe even on a daily basis that aren't dot coms. Um, and I think that is that is helping. So it's it's pretty amazing though that they're estimating. A quarter million, two hundred fifty thousand new dot blog uh, names registered this year, and they're not going to open them to the public until the fall, so um, until November. So there's going to be a sunrise period. So if you have a, a trademark, you know you can you can uh, submit to get that trademark dot blog. But after that, for the general public, two months, and they're still expecting that many dot blogs. So there is still that idea of Got to be first to market. Got to get those one word dot blogs. Got to get those short, you know, one, two, three character dot blogs. Snatch them up because you can probably make some money with them. I want blog dot blog. I mean, I thought <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> oh, I'm going to register a few, I'll admit. Just like you, um, I'm going to I'm sure. Couple. Hey, listen, it, it'll happen. I've got, uh, a, I don't know, a couple hundred useless domains that'll never have a project that I intended to start. <laughs> yeah. Might as well have a few more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's the way that it goes. Now, uh, Brad, recently uh, we uh, we made a decision at Web Dev Studios to change our internal chat program. HipChat is what we were using, another Atlassian product, and uh, pretty cool in its own right. But for you know, for for our reasons, we decided to take a look at some other uh, solutions, and we landed on Slack. One, it really came to the flexibility and the API usage, and all of the add-ons that you can uh, uh, integrate to make it really a a, a strong. Uh, productivity tool, not just you know an enterprise communication app, but something that really extends well beyond that. And I think that you know a lot of people are kind of following suit, not just with HipChat, but you know Skype and and, and other uh, solutions really pushing uh, the way of Slack. Uh, some of the latest numbers that they've posted, somewhere around three million users chatting it up on the Slack service every day. Like that, that to me is is uh, a pretty cool. Cool, uh, cool number there. Uh, what, what do you guys think about its growth, and does it continue to move in that capacity because of its flexibility, or what's really driving folks uh, to head to Slack? I mean, 300 million daily active users and, and over 2 million connected simultaneously on average. Um, well, you know, Slack, For uh, th- th- there's a couple of things about Slack. We moved to Slack uh, a while ago now, and We've basically removed email from our internal communications, so no, so our team don't email each other at all. We use Slack for instant communication. We have a whole bunch of API stuff going on in Slack, so we get notifications of when people fill in net promoter score surveys. We get notifications of sales and refunds and all sorts of all sorts of crazy integrations, which is really good and it really helps our workflow. But the other thing that I think is really good about Slack is the ease of use of the desktop app and the mobile app um, in terms of 
not you know like you could it's it's instant you, like you know the old school forums you'd have to refresh the page and if you uploaded a file it would have to kind of like upload to the server and refresh and it was just like a it just became a a clunky way of communicating um i'm actually i've actually started my own my very own slack team and i'm inviting a handful of the entrepreneurs that I kind of reach out to on email and in Facebook groups on a regular basis, and I'm training them all to get off Facebook and off my email and get into our little own private little Slack channel because I'm actually nice. working towards not having an email address uh, at some point in the not too distant future and just will not have an email address. And I, I just I don't need one. The people that I want to do biz dev with will be in my Slack channel, and uh, you know everything else in my email is just other people's agendas. Uh, you know, trying to you know, grab my time. So I, I love Slack. I'm a complete convert. It's changed the way that we communicate and it's massively increased our productivity a hundredfold. You know, at this point, you know, they're increasing their, uh, their value and, and, and what it's going to cost uh, to purchase them at some point. Uh, the company currently being valued at $3.8 billion after raising another $200 million in funding this past mm. April. That is just mm. crazy. Slack is... Yeah. Um, I mean, you mentioned, Dre, that we were on HipChat, and I feel like we were kind of one of the holdouts, like a lot of other companies in our space. Well, you got, you got you, time invested in that, right? Like, right. There's, you're using a tool that's, that's, that is a productivity tool. It's a challenging thing to kind of transition out of, so it takes time. Yeah, change is tough, and then you kind of want to know, okay, well, why am I changing? Am I changing just to change? Am I changing to be like everybody else, or is there a valid reason, like a – what are the benefits? And it, it took a while to understand that, but it, they became very apparent once we did it. And it was like, <laughs> well, this was obvious. I think the, the really, the cool thing about Slack is if you look into the history of it, Dre, you, you mentioned they're valued at, you know, billions of dollars. They, Slack was born as an internal tool for a company building something completely different. Like mm. it was just this thing they built internally to use as they were working on building this online Massive multiplayer game, which is now defunct, obviously, because mm -hmm. they're going all in with Slack. Mm -hmm. uh, but then they realized, hey, we, we have something here. And it's <laughs> for a company that's less than three years old to be valued that much and be that crit such a critical component for so many companies and individuals. I mean, it's just I, I this is why I love the Internet because of these type of stories. It's just so cool. Yep. That's something you kind of stumble into becomes more than just what you end up doing it becomes like a game changer in the space you know it's it's just yeah. a really nice story he hell of 100%. a hell of a pivot there right yeah, yeah it's like, I mean, it's like all right you know you know about that game we've been working that really sucks <laughs> why don't we just do this chat room that we're using that's awesome and yeah a couple of years later valued at billions of dollars just couldn't be more popular i mean i'm seeing slack commercials on tv now it's just crazy it's insane yeah that's that's kind of how Twitter started, right? Twitter started at like a like an internal text messaging app that they built for themselves, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think Twitter was something they were kind of playing around with internally. It wasn't really a, a serious thing, and then they all kind of started enjoying it and were like, "Hey, there, there's mm -hmm. something here. Like, there's there's something to this." And then they they started uh, working to release it into a beta kind of online status. But yeah, exactly. Some of the best ideas that have ever happened have been complete accidents. So you always got to be looking around. Don't think that whatever you're on, the takeaway, don't think whatever you're on is what you should be on, right? Like there might be something right under your nose that you don't realize that is actually what you should be focusing on. And, you know, it's 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 a cool story. I really like Slack, and uh, it's kind of a neat story to, to read about. It reminds me of um, a book called Rework written by the guys from Basecamp. Jason, is it Fried or Freed? 
Uh, I say Freed. Uh, Freed. And actually, uh, David uh, Hennermeyer uh, Hansen yeah. was the uh, the co-author of that great book. Yeah, 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 great book. So one of the things they talk about in that book is look around the look around at what you like. Look around the office and see what you've got lying around the office, and 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 ask yourself if you could turn that into a product. And that's exactly how. Um, that's exactly how Ruby on Rails came about, and that's kind of how Twitter and Slack came about. Like something they kind of had lying around the office that they were using that you know wasn't their core focus, but ended up being more valuable than what they were working on. Oh, geez, out of need, right? Like this is necessity for us right here, right now, to get us through uh, or to a place we want to be uh, in, in uh, reaching success in the things that we're building. Um, most, if not, uh, I'd say a high majority of uh, the, the big unicorns you see today aren't brand new inventions, all right? Not, yeah. not new ways of socializing or a new way to gather analytics or whatever the case may be. It's it's refreshing and refining those processes and ways uh, of uh, doing those things that already exist in a more meaningful and valuable way for you and everybody else. Mm. I, I love these types of stories. Pretty, pretty cool. Now, you're seeing uh, this kind of come back to light uh, from uh, Motorola, which is actually kind of reinventing or re-releasing a product that was pretty killer about 12 years ago. So 12 years ago, I was stationed in Naples, Italy. I was uh, part of the, uh, I was in the Navy, part of the standard tactical entry point facility after doing satellite communication stuff. And, um, you know, over there, the, the, the cell phone uh, model or the mobile model is very different than it is in the United States where you have the service plan and these crazy costs. It's re- rechargeable uh, SIM cards that they put in, the, in these phones. And back then, it was the flip phone. Uh, Nokia was really popular at the time. Um, you pay your $20, $30, $40 or whatever. There was no crazy data uh, data uh, at the time. It was, it was all uh, uh, text messages and voice. But you, you fill these cards, and they go into your flip phone, and off you go. Well, we were over there on base one day, and I see Motorola on the shelf, and it was where it was glowing. I don't know if you guys have seen uh, the movie Pulp Fiction when they, they open the briefcase, <laughs> and it's his soul just shining through the briefcase. Is it and his I soul? The- That's debatable. I don't know. Well, and who knows, right? Uh, but I look up at the shelf here. It's called Capital Landing, the name of the, uh, the little um, uh, place I was sitting there smoking a cigarette at the time. And I, I walked into this place, and I see this thing just glowing, and it's the Motorola Razor. And it's this flip phone, but it looked like this, this you know, aluminum, just awesome, crazy space age flip phone. There was nothing like it. And I'm like, man, this this thing is cool. I was completely infatuated. Uh, and I said, you know what? I'm going to wait to buy this thing. So I went lunch one day. I'm, I'm sitting uh, there at Capital Landing. They had slot machines in there. And I turned around and I put a dollar worth of coins in there. I went like 900 bucks. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to buy that phone. I think it was like $700 or something at the time. So I go buy this Razer phone, the first one on the block with it, you know, thinking I'm awesome. And uh, here we are today, 15 years removed from that, 12 years <laughs> removed from that. What a, what, I mean, what a, in its most simplistic form, what a just silly, uh, you, you can't even make the comparisons to today's uh, data-driven uh, devices, but still one of my favorite phones ever. They're re-releasing this thing. Um Brad, you mentioned this earlier, and I got all giddy. I'm like, dude, I hope it's just <laughs> killer. I, I, can I had see no idea what the razor, razor passion we have here. I, I, yeah, I, dude, I'm pumped up about it. <laughs> did you guys ever – have you guys seen these? Did you ever have one? This was I like – I didn't I, have I'm a razor either. Yeah. I, had a, I had a Samsung flip phone, which was kind of – I think it was like a copy of the Razor, you know? <laughs> you know, the, well, the thing about the Razor, like you're right, Trey, it was like – it was the whole stick was how thin it was, right? It, everybody yeah, had yeah. flip phones for the most part at the time, but it, 
their whole thing was how thin it was and still was like the best, you know, technological phone on the block and still was like crazy thin. I really feel like this is the first phone I remember a lot of people had. Like everybody mm. wanted this phone. Almost everybody had this phone. This was like the first phone I feel like was was huge. And they even mentioned the article. They sold over 130 million units. I mean, that is an obscene <laughs> amount of, you know, phones, a single style of phone to be sold. But, yeah, this one stands out as like the first big one that everybody had to have. And a lot of people had it was the Razer. I just, I, I'm anxious to see what they come out with. So they have a big announcement on my birthday of all days, June 9th. I mean, up. They have a little teaser video out, but I'm just envisioning like a an iPhone 6s that like folds shut, like a tablet flip phone <laughs> style weird Android thing going on. Like I don't know, but the Razer was all about being thin and being a flip phone. So I'm really curious to see if they stick with that idea, or if they go completely in a different direction and just use the name. You know, I want one. <laughs> you don't even know what I'm it a, is if you want one. I'm too much yeah, of an Apple. I'm too much of an Apple fanboy to uh, to uh, to use any anything else. If it had iOS, I might use it. Yeah, I mean, same here. I, I've been I've been with iPhone since the early days, right? I got a MacBook, a Mac Pro, kind of my thing. But I, I want one. <laughs> would you care. use it or would I you just put it on the shelf and just have it on the shelf as like a museum piece or would it, it would probably be, it'd be a museum piece i wouldn't use <laughs> yeah. it yeah yeah i'd be i'd be terribly bored with uh with it very quickly and why is this not sinking like i need it to uh, yeah <laughs> uh, i'm excited to see man we have a you know a couple of weeks and we'll see what the big announcement is we'll have to do a follow-up on it dre when it comes out and see if you actually see. still want it well, I, I think I'll I think I'll own one. Um, what I won't own is Donald Trump's hair, man. <laughs> wow, that's did a you segue. guys? <laughs> yeah, this is a hell of a segue. There's not there's no way to cut into that one, man. Um, the big discussion point on Gawker, it seems, there's an investigation going on on this, which is pretty funny. And, and the, the question to be is is Donald Trump's hair a sixty thousand dollar weave? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know I don't know where this this stuff comes from. This is amazing, but they're saying this dude's hair is a sixty thousand dollar weave. Like, uh, I, shave your head, dude. Yeah, is it is it a wig? Like, it, like uh, that might be a stupid question, but remember, I'm Australian. Is is it a wig? Yeah, that's that's what they're implying is that this weave is uh they've they've you know a weave uh is a way to clamp like hair follicles, fake hair. Onto your head, so gotcha. you know gotcha. he's saying it's not, but man, I don't buy it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's not, if it's, I mean, it, it's just a bad haircut and color. It's like terrible. regardless of whether it's real or whether it's a weave, I mean, someone just needs to style that thing and make it all of one color. It's just the way to look, style that thing is with hair clippers, man. Shave yeah. the hell out. It's just yeah, like yeah, yeah. I feel like if Donald Trump's hair had a Twitter account. It would have it more followers does. than all of us combined times yeah. ten. You know, like I'm gonna Google that. It's funny because I, I bet it's out there at this point. But it's it's like his hair has been a topic around him for as long as I can remember. Like even mm. as a kid, I remember hearing about Donald Trump's for hair. Sure. You know what I mean? Like so, it's just this weird topic that has 
been around forever, and you look at it like, dude, all that money you have, there has to be something you can do better than yeah. what you're doing here. So yeah, there's, yeah. A, in fact, no, there, there's not a, um, a Twitter account for Donald Trump's hair. There's like hundreds of them. So you can go <laughs> to Twitter and uh, look up Trump's hair, uh, Don, Don Trump's rug, Donald's underscore hair, hair of Trump. I mean, there's literally, uh, I don't know, 10 pages of Google results for Twitter accounts. For hair. I love this article. It is, it's not just like a quick title and a paragraph or two. It's like no, an no. in-depth dissection of, yeah. <laughs> is it fake or not? Is it a, you know, $60,000, you know, weave? Like it's, they have all this evidence okay. and pictures yeah. and gifts and videos. And this is a novel. The total authority piece, isn't this it? This is absolutely um, what we should be focusing on. I feel on like I president. can't. I feel like I can't really kind of take the piss too much out of your politics over there because ours is just so tragic that uh, I don't really have a leg to stand on. So, you know, we just elect we just elect prime ministers who then get thrown out of their own party and is replaced by someone we didn't vote for, and that's happened oh. like three times in a row now. So, um, yeah. <laughs> well, there's a new candidate on the block. You heard it first here on Dradcast. Yeah, oh, yeah. Boy. Awesome. Breaking news. <laughs> hey, if I can use that <laughs> twice, I'm using it. Oh, man. You know, it, it's been a good episode. I want to talk a little bit about our sponsor, GoDaddy, who is offering some pretty amazing services these days through their managed WordPress uh, hosting solutions. Uh, they've uh, built it uh, with a purpose from the ground up and it is strictly for WordPress folks you need to go check it out so it's time to let your geek flag fly managed doesn't mean lightweight version I'm telling you GoDaddy's rocking this out you get every WordPress tool and feature you could think of plus some Uh, some exclusive ones that they're offering you get a free domain with any annual plan that you're setting up through GoDaddy Pro 99.9% uptime promised you're getting Microsoft Office 365 email set up. A first uh, year under the sun uh, is is uh, is going to be something that you can get for free. Uh, money back guarantee on any of this stuff, uh, any of these packages you decide to buy. It's uh, daily updates, or excuse me, backups, which is pretty cool. Uh, One-click restore uh, capabilities is included. They... Um, they're really doing a good job here to shape uh, shape their hosting services around WordPress and managing that for you. If you head over to x.co uh, slash uh, GoDraddy, uh, we've got you covered there. You gotta, you're going to go check them out and uh, uh, give a look. You never know. It might be for you. Uh, one other area I want you to go take a look at if you get an opportunity is a really, really cool uh, blog that they've set up uh, called GoDaddy Garage. It has some awesome articles on WordPress uh, from people in the WordPress community like Bob Dunn, Jennifer Bourne. The list goes on. Really cool stuff. You can head over there to x.co slash dradcast uh, to check that out. This will all be in the show notes, so definitely go give them a look. Go Daddy Pro and go Daddy Garage. Bradham is prime. Why don't we rock and roll ahead over to this week's Bar Tricks? Let me show you a bar trick. Dad. I'm a... Uh, you know, I get to work with some really, really cool guests on this show. And my favorite co-host, although he's been cheating on Dragcast or some other podcasts over the last uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just saying. But one of the things that I want to do is I want to get better. So he kind of stops cruising into other podcasts. I don't know. Or maybe maybe Troy will invite me to his again one day. I, I, I'd be cool with that. But um, 
as we've been researching different things to make the show better, and as we go into the hundredth episode, uh, and we're trying to kind of improve on on uh, the wackiness that that you know is a drag cast today, I was talking uh, with our um, our show producer uh, Liz, and uh, she recommended a book that I thought was really neat. I purchased the book, and I am like like so stoked that I got it because one, it's not just reading; it's like a freaking comic book. It's like a you know two hundred page comic book named. Out on the Wire. It's the story se- storytelling secrets of the new masters of radio. And it really, uh, well, it really hit home. It's uh, by Jessica uh, Jessica Abel. And uh, it's pretty cool how it's set up. Uh, out on the Wire is an investigation um, into the narrative techniques and ideas of the new generation of great American journalists and storytellers on the radio and in podcasts. Now, if you head over to Jessica Abel, A-B-E-L dot com, uh, you'll see that she's got a couple different books uh, as well as a podcast of her own uh, that you might find interesting. So if you're a podcaster, uh, you're looking to get better at your your your, uh, your storytelling, this may be something you want to go pick up and check out. Out of the wire. I should probably read this. <laughs> Maybe. I think I'm going to have to read it a couple times. Send me the cliff notes. No, that looks it looks really cool. Definitely got to check that out. So, my bar trick, which I'm still figuring out a little bit, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it is an app for the Mac called Shush. Um, and essentially what this app does, it gives you a cough button on uh, for your computer so whether you're doing a podcast maybe you're on a call with a client or whatever it may be you can set a hotkey that when you hold it down it just mutes your input um, which is pretty slick still playing around with it it's not quite working with the audio hijack like i want to but i'm guessing it's probably just a weird setting or something i need to figure out um, i was actually uh, uh turned on to this app uh, by one of our uh, previous hosts, Jason Cosper, who we had on a few few episodes back. But uh, it's a cool little cough button. Simple as that. Just uh, hold down a button and it uh, blocks your inputs so you can cough or block that dog bark in the background or at whatever it may be. So check it out. Shush app for the Mac. Troy, what do you got over there? Cool. Well, um, I've been uh, loving Google Keep lately, which is uh, like Google's version of Evernote because um, Evernote kind of just for me, it just ended up getting a little bit too bloated and a bit too complicated to manage. So Google Keep I discovered recently on a plane. It's got a cool Chrome browser you can use offline. And of course, it syncs with all your devices as well. Uh, so that's um, one thing I've been using to keep my notes. And Blinkist is like the um, – you know, uh, I don't know if you know Blinkist, but it's like, you know, read a book in 15 minutes. It's got like, uh, the, it's basically like the cliff notes of a book and it's read to you um, by, you know, human voices. So you just kind of plug in the phone and go, hey, I want to know what this book's about. And, you know, 15 minutes later, you've basically digested the book. So it's really good for fueling up on something before you go into a meeting or a presentation or just kind of if you want to know, like, you know, about podcasting, you could find a book there about podcasting and just get the cliff notes read to you. It's kind of cool. So you just made my life way more awesome than it was 30 <laughs> seconds ago. So thank you. Awesome. That's why I'm here, man. Both of these are freaking awesome. Yeah. I am, uh, I've been using Evernote actually probably at, uh, uh, to a fault for yeah. a couple of years. I can't agree more about the, the, the you know, just the sure bloatiness that, that it yeah. offers. I, yeah. You know what? 
probably the biggest downfall for me is I think that there's an opportunity with Evernote for it to uh, be able to be used across teams. And uh, it just doesn't offer that. I wonder uh, how Google Keep will integrate with Google Docs and that type of stuff. Yeah, it's really good, actually. The integration is pretty sweet. So, oh. uh, yeah, you should definitely check it out. You had me at hello. <laughs> I, I gotta be honest. I've, ne- I did, I've never heard of Google Keep. Nope. No, it's one, no, like no one has. It's, it's one a very lesser things. known Google feature. I had no yeah, idea. It is. It is. As long as it doesn't go away after like a month of using it, I'm. <laughs> I yeah. am good with that. Like, that would like suck. like Wave did. Remember Wave? Yeah, wave. wave was the future, and it's gone. Hello, it anybody in here? Uh, Hello, goodbye. Wave his ass out the door. Yeah, see ya. <laughs> it's like the guy that had the first telephone. It only works if someone else has one too. <laughs> oh shoot. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Cold game. Man, I'll tell you what, this episode went way too fast, but Troy, it's right. been an amazing uh, ride. Some awesome discussions. I would love to know, uh, well, two things. One, uh, when are you coming back? And two, uh, where can people find you? What's the best place for people to get a hold of you? Uh, best place is the WP Elevation blog. We just launched a brand new website, by the way, and our team did an amazing job. It's a very, very, very slick design, custom design, custom built theme, using lots of advanced custom field stuff. Uh, it's beautiful. So WPElevation.com is uh, where people can reach me or Troy Dean on Twitter, uh, T-R-O-Y-D-E-A-N. And, you know, I'm coming to the States for a month in uh, July. I'm in mainly New York and Boston. I'm going to those WordCamps. I'm going to be in LA and San Fran for a couple of days as well. So I'd love to meet as many WordPress people, uh, you know, just catch up, have like an informal, you know, drink and show some bar tricks and I can show off Google Keep Live. (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah, so, you know, anyone in the States wants to hook up, man, hit me up on Twitter. I'd love to to catch up and, and meet people. That's Troy Dean, folks. Matt, I'll tell you what. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us. Bradford, Brad and Miss Prime, Big Daddy Brad. Where can people find you, buddy? You can find me at Drea for President 2016.com. It's co- you heard it here first on Dragcast. For the Rad and Drad, I'm the doctor. Thanks for joining us on episode 99 with no other than Troy Dean. Deuces. for listening. If you have content for the show, want to submit to be a guest host, or just want to listen to previous shows, visit DraftCast.com. While you're there, make sure you click the iTunes subscribe link to catch us on iTunes. Don't forget to follow at DraftCast on Twitter. Join Brad and Dre for a new guest host next time on another episode of the DraftCast.